welcome. Highfalutin Ski Bomb Podcast, episode number 141. Back after a very quick break, we're giving you guys some Thanksgiving treats. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Getting ready for the big turkey day, and uh, hopefully everybody's listening to this, getting ready for turkey day, driving to turkey day, or just hiding from their relatives, which uh, I may be doing as well. Just remember, noise-canceling headphones. You can eliminate all that drunken politic nonsense. You can drown out all the relatives who are mad at you for making them buy Bitcoin last year. Tune them all out. Tune into us. Have a good time. Make it a pleasant holiday. Maybe feats of strength with this uh, holiday. You never know. It's very true. (laughs) But thank you, everyone, so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. We love that you guys listen. We love when you guys comment on our stuff. It really does mean a lot to us. And if you could... Now we've mentioned it the last couple of weeks. If you could go into your favorite podcasting apps, rate us and review us, that would really be helpful to us and we'd appreciate it. It'll help us get into more ears so we can get out there and you know do more things and, and broaden the reach and beef up the content and just do more with this podcast to make it more of what you guys are, are looking for. So if you could do that, we'd appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Fingers are crossed. I, uh, I'm, I'm still planning to have that store up by Black Friday. So hopefully you guys can do a little Christmas shopping, Hanukkah shopping, Kwanzaa shopping, Festivus shopping, whatever floats your boat, or just buy yourself okay. something, you know, whatever yeah. works. So skibumpodcast.com, follow us on all the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast. We're on Pinterest as the Highfalutins, and we're on SoundCloud as highfalutin-skibum. And on all of those, but SoundCloud, you will see Mario's amazing ski bum podcast branded turkey. Mm. Which turkey? Is, I uh, you know I know the logo looks good on hats and on shirts. I never knew it would look good on a dead frozen bird. It's it looks fantastic, right? But it's somehow a, it works. It's a, it's the official ski. It's the official bird of the ski bums. The official bird of the bums. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we ever have a farm. We can start branding them with the logo. That'd be kind of uh, nice, right? A little logo brand. Like the new Kobe beef. So we can get that instead of a tattoo, just on our arm. I was thinking about it. Maybe my forehead. I was, you know, like the uh, Charles Manson has like the swastika on his forehead. Look at a little uh, ski bum logo right in our forehead. There you go. That'll work. Yeah, it a sends a message. <laughs> Definitely more friendly, but it sends a message when you get a forehead tattoo. Oh, that's sending a message. All right. It uh, it says decision makings are not my strong suit. Anything above the shoulders is definitely riding riding the lightning. You're riding dirty. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You're getting pulled over because of checking you for riding dirty as well. Well, it you know what it may just mean that perhaps you were hitting the uh, apre today a little bit too hard. It's time for apre today. Mario, kick it off for us. So I have, um, it is a wine called Going With The Wine today. So I was telling Brian uh, earlier, went to a, um, it cooled off a little bit, you know, so once it starts getting cool, it's like inside time and I hit up a nice wine bar on Friday. So I'm like, you know, last few days, I've just been hitting up some wines and trying to figure out like what I'm going to serve for Thanksgiving and, you know, think, think of things like that too. So uh, this kind of might help with some suggestions as well. Um, so this is from the Taken Wine Company. It's a Chardonnay called Complicated. Now, this is 2014. So I had this, I've actually had this bottle probably for like two years. And uh, 
it's kind of a light, you know, just like a typical Chardonnay, a little bit with a little bit of um, hint of oakiness. Uh, but, you know, it's fruity. It's a little zesty, a little bit of, uh, you know, lemon zest uh, flavor. Uh, and it has a little bit of French oak in it. So um, I kind of like it. It's from Sonoma County. And um, really good. They're saying like apricot flavors. I, I kind of get that. Um, but it's delicious. Mm, sounds good. And now I had, it with, I had it just now with Greek food. With Greek food. Yeah. I don't like, know if it pairs well, but it was good. Like a hero? I had a hero. Hero? Hero Slovaki. The magical meat cone? The meat cone. I had the meat cone. Nice. It's kind of salad in a cone with meat. Not bad. That works. How about you, Brian? We didn't even plan this. We just sort of started rolling with this and started, you know, talking about what we're going to have for our app praise today. And lo and behold, I too am drinking wine. See, it's on the mind. Wine on the mind. It's the holiday times, you know, we're starting to roll into that season. Yeah. And I know this is probably my second to third bottle of the weekend. Now I'm not here to be judged by any of you people. Nice. And actually it's Monday. So the weekend's over. So, and this is, you know, it's a weird short week. And uh, yeah, last week ended up being a little bit annoying towards the end. So I had to break into the, into the wine and, you know, was, we were visiting friends and family and there was some positive things going on. So we were celebrating as much as also drinking to forget about things. <laughs> but I am rocking the Apothic Inferno, which is a red blend wine. But what makes this unique is that it is aged in whiskey barrels for 60 days. Oh, nice. And I think they've been making this for at least two or three years now because we've gotten it over the last couple of years. And I forget where we got it from. If it was, um, I think we got it as a gift from somebody. And now if you're, you know, if you're not a big wine person and uh, you're a whiskey person, this is a perfect way, like a gateway drug into wine. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my gateway. wine tastes very like kind of low, low level. Like I don't want to spend more than, 20 bucks and that's for like a super fancy giving to someone I'm trying to pay off bottle of wine <laughs> and this thing rolls around usually around like 14 to 18 bucks this stuff and they only sell it this time of year it's like a it's a winter a fall winter seasonal that they have nice and again it's I wonder if you took regular like red wine and mixed a little whiskey in it if it would taste similar to this I don't know only way to do it is to try I think I may have you know what I think on Thanksgiving at my in-laws, I think that's what I'm going to do. They usually have red wine and whiskey there. So maybe we'll do a little bit of experimentation. A little bit. But this is a small batch wine, which has been aged for 60 days in whiskey barrels. Red and dark fruit flavors combine with layers of maple and spice, giving way to a long, clean finish. You definitely get just that, I don't know if smoky is the right word, but like that rich, whiskey, oaky flavor when you drink it. So you get, it's kind of starts off as like more of a syrup, syrupier, 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 syrup, syrupier, red wine, where that whiskey flavor comes through. So again, if you like whiskey and red wine, I would highly recommend this. If you like whiskey and want to get into wine, I highly recommend this. If you're a wine snob, you'll probably laugh at this and say, this is absolutely trite and embarrassing to your sensibility and taste buds. That's fine too. But I'm a big that fan. That sounds like a good wine for, to pair with bacon. Oh my God, this would be amazing with bacon. 
Right, just a nice plate of bacon, served with bacon on the side. I see nothing wrong with that at all. Or nachos. This is nacho wine. <laughs> nacho wine. Seriously, I think if you had a like a big old tray of nachos, something kind of smoky, a little barbecuey, this would barbecue. probably go really well with that. Ooh, there you go. See, now we're talking. Yeah. A little barbecue in there, a little. Mm. That that'd be really fun. A nice like a uh, wine and nacho pairing mm. dinner, right? Or you could add salted. A little refreshing. Yeah, you get a little bit of feedback there. I don't know, like if you had a wire or something. So it was like Uh-oh. three it's seconds of. Now. It's better now, but it was like three seconds of like this muffled. Three noise. seconds of messing things up. Yeah. All right. Uh, you could add a little water in there, maybe uh, a little salt water, like a spritzer. You could do that. I was thinking of how that work as a glue vine too. But you know, as a glue vine, you wouldn't want to spend as much money on the kind of wines you're using to make it. Usually I mean, we you know take they... like a half a bottle and pour it into like one of those big gulp cups and then put like seltzer water in it and just drink it out with a straw out of that. That could work. While you barbecue. That that would work. That could definitely work. <laughs> Who could stop you, right? Can't stop you, man. No, this is stop. definitely good kind of wine to put in a coffee cup too. If you want to walk around and be drinking, but not let people know you're drinking. Mm, there you go. Apothic Inferno. It's the it's a walking walking around wine. The walking around wine. Walking around wine. Let's get into the Genjula. This week, uh, our buddy Frank, he's having a good week. And uh, I guess there was a lot of snow up in the Northeast, and it was pretty treacherous for a lot of people. I think, Brian, we talked that day, and it was like people were taking... One of my friends said it took him like 10 hours because he had a flat tire, and it was just pretty miserable one day. I heard I heard people I talked to somebody on Friday in New York City and they were saying they were working in someone they knew worked in Manhattan had to go to Yonkers which is just north of New York City it yeah, took them 12 hours on the bus what and so like fist fights were breaking out on the bus like people were losing Damn. their shit probably could have walked faster than that seriously Get it's like and just like trek it out it's like seven miles maybe seven well, you miles you always gotta have your skins if you had your skins and your skis, you just skin it out, man. Just skin it out. I think actually a pair of regular boots would have been fine. It really wasn't that much snow. That was the crazy thing about it. Oh. It was just everyone was unprepared and just a lot just, of people on the road. A lot of dummies out there. And then one dummy can ruin it for a hundred thousand people because they make a mistake and they crash into something. It just ruins the closes the road, backs everything up. Ruins the day. Shit sure does. Uh all right, so he sent us BC Roadkill, and this is another strain that BC is proud to call their own. Um, it's top-shelf strain, rumored to be one of the stinkiest out there, uh, <laughs> though not the same way Roadkill is. So <laughs> growers love the strain for its consistent above-average yields and eight-week flowering time. So flowers are large, blue-purple with red hairs that typically uh, reek of skunk and citrus. Uh, the musky rum is due to BC Roadkill skunk parent, which was bred with deep chunk to create this hybrid. So consumers also flock to scoop up this roadkill for its strong buzz that's relaxing and trancy without being a complete knockout. Sleep may come easily, but so may euphoria and happy conversation, making this a daytime choice for treating many anxiety and stress disorders. So effects euphoric, like off the charts, euphoric, uplifted, happy, creative, and energetic, which is so awesome. Negatives high up the, the chart there for dry mouth, 
Eh, not too bad for dry eyes and then tiny bits of dizzy, paranoid, and anxious. So really good for stress, pain, depression, nausea, and fatigue. Wow. That, yeah. that's, that just description of like the smell of it is kind of hysterical. Yeah. In the bottom, it says like roadkill flavors, citrus, tropical, and pungent. Hmm. Well, you know what? It is quite possible that if you are in the good state of Massachusetts, you may soon be able to purchase Roadkill, BC Roadkill legally. Boom. Why is that, Brian? Well, Mario, thank you for asking. We're recording this on Monday the 19th, but as of November 20th, Tuesday, there the first two recreational cannabis stores will be opening in Massachusetts. I mean, wow, finally. Finally. After they... The crowd's going wild right now. The crowd, the crowd goes wild. They're leaving the Celtics game. They're ready to go to the weed shop. <laughs> That's right. After hey, voting this in two... We can weed. They voted it in two years ago, in 2016. November, almost... Probably close to now. Two years and a couple days from when they voted it in. It finally... The first two stores have gotten their licenses and they are coming online. So it's the two shops. One of them is in Western Mass in Northampton. And the other one is, and I think it's pronounced Leicester. That's how they would, that's how it would be pronounced in England. But I'm sure there's some crazy. Leicester. 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 Where's the, uh, they have a uh, football team and soccer team. It's Leicester. There you go. Thank you guys. Yeah. So they uh, are opening Tuesday morning. I think the one in Northampton is opening at 8 a.m. And the one in Leicester is opening at 10 a.m. This is fantastic for people who just want to chill out over Thanksgiving. I can only imagine what the lines are going to be like tomorrow. And I was joking. I was joking with my, my family today. My, uh, my in-laws, my, my wife's family, because we're all going up to Connecticut for Thanksgiving. Like we always do. And I was looking it up and I'm like, wow, we're less than 90 minutes away from the Northampton store. Like maybe we should go up on black Friday. Maybe we should do a little shopping. What do you, what do you bring? What do you bring to Thanksgiving that they don't already have the same? That's true. Take a little pit stop detour. So I was thinking, I'm like, you know, I think that would be kind of awesome to do on Black Friday, but then I also think that that place is going to be a mob scene the first couple of weeks. And I'm sure everyone's going to be in line. You go to Walmart or do you go to the shop? Is what I'm saying. I think people are going to be a lot more chill at the weed shop than at Walmart. I think they should make it like they should have kiosks at like the Walmarts. So while you're waiting in line, you can have some weed. You buy some. That would, that would, that would work well. Yeah. That's what they could use there. But yeah, the stores are coming online Tuesday. I, I wonder how much they're going to have enough product. They're probably going to run out just like it seems to happen whenever something goes legal. Yeah. But this is going to be great for the drive up to Vermont. That's I'm already got my mind set for that. If you're driving up to Vermont to do a little skiing, the one in Northampton is right off of Route 91. And I mean, it's probably less than a mile off the highway. You, if you were going up for the World Cup event at Killington, this is definitely that that World Cup event is going to be very mellow. I'm thinking it's going to be extra super mellow. Yes, I think you're right about that. That's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, and it's also going to be super cold. 
Oh. Vortex, vortex time. What do we got? Well, they're saying that it's gonna be could be the coldest Thanksgiving on record in the Northeast. What? But we can get into that once we once we get into the ski news, we'll start talking about that. But we still got one more story in the good old gondola. Yes. So could medical marijuana treat opioid addiction? So there's a federal study with marijuana patients in New York uh, over the next two years that is going to follow 10,000 medical marijuana patients. So see if uh, the if their opioid condition. Uh, you know, lessons. And they're saying they actually took a, uh, you know, a few samples of people, uh, some of them that were taking painkillers for injury, some of them that had, uh, there's one guy in there is uh, 58 years old. He was an HIV activist and artist, uh, an artist, and he wanted off of opioids. So um, he got hooked on it, like, you know, during his life. And he started doing weed as a treatment. And he said, it almost worked from the start uh, three years ago, and he's been without OxyContin or any other opioid that he was taking since May of 2015. So they said he's part of a small but growing group, group of opioid users across the country that are finding relief in medical marijuana and finding out that it actually helps kill their pain without um, the addiction problems that they had. So it's very cool to see this, and now they're doing a whole funded study to see, um, you know, the benefits to prove out. Um, and hopefully that might be a good argument to take it off of the, you know, schedule one list and, and have it as a treatment option for people. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's great that they're finally doing something like this because most of the, I mean, most of the, uh, the evidence for about, cannabis possibly getting people off opioids isn't it kind of anecdotal i mean have they actually they haven't really done too many real studies it's just kind of people who were experimenting just reporting their their findings right yeah and they're also doing some like studies within the study so they're also going to try to answer the question to see whether marijuana use itself could be a dangerous habit so where it's not an addiction it could be a habitual thing so they're saying if this would be either a real problem, um, even if it would be considered a real problem, it would be far more um, uh, less fatal than overdosing on opioids because you, you can't really overdose on it. So they're saying the risk of a fatal overdose just aren't there compared to opioids. So, you know, even if, even if somebody says, well, you know, it's habitual too, and, you know, you'll get marijuana users be habitual you won't have them addicted to opioids, which is so much worse. Yeah. yeah I think the, the LD 50 for marijuana and like LD 50 is the lethal dose to 50% of the people who are taking that much. The LD 50 of marijuana is, uh, what is it? 1500 pounds in 15 minutes. Damn, that's a lot of weed. You gotta like some. You can't even get that in your body that quick. Fifteen hundred pounds of marijuana. That's crazy. That's like half the weight of a small car in marijuana. Think about how insane it would be to have that much. I yeah. think what that would cost. Isn't that crazy though? But yeah, like how that, would you even get that? And and I don't I don't know how you even get that in your body. You'd have to concentrate it down. Imagine yeah. if they could if they concentrate that down to like a um. An extract, 
Yeah, you'd have to go out of your way to take that much in. But imagine, all right, so say 1,500 is the LD50. What if you got like a 1,000-pound concentrated extract? Like, what would you see? Like, how deep would you go down the rabbit hole? Could you ever return? Could you ever live real life again if you went that deep? I wonder what that equate to, like, how many milligrams of THC you would have to have, right? Well, considering what's like a, if you take a gummy, it's usually 10, but they can go up to 500,000 if you go to the real crazy ones. It seems like that would be in the tens of thousands, right? At least. Yeah, let's see. I'm doing a search. Talk about the weight versus the concentration. Yes. That's what I'm trying to see. Well, back to the, the one, the study though, the story it talks about that they're, uh, they're expecting the whole plant medical marijuana would provide more benefits for patients than the extracts with just THC or CBD alone, given the dozens of compounds, cannabinoids, terrapins, flavonoids, and others found in cannabis. One of the shortfalls of not enough research is that we don't know what all these compounds do and how they interact with people. Which, you know, it's great that we can concentrate and just, you know, if you just want CBD, you don't want to get high, you just want the, uh, the medicinal effects of it. But what are you missing out on, on some of those other, other strains, the other cannabinoids? So right. it's going to be, it'd be cool. Yeah, they can probably like in the future dial it in. So if you want like 80% CBD with like, you know, 12% THC and then some other, some other cannabinoids in there too. Like it's going to be. It's going to be cool to see how probably using your DNA too, seeing what, how you react to certain things, how they can dial in just the right formula for you, the right dose. The right dose. So I was thinking about this. Um, so Melly and I were talking about this and I was like, what if you stuff the turkey with weed and just bake it? Right. Everybody talks about stuffing, just, just pack it full of weed. Now everybody's getting that contact high on the bake, Right. <laughs> while they're just sitting there but think about that like you serve them like you know weed in the stuffing like every using, time a nice using the, chill the, thanksgiving you're using the turkey as a vaporizer pretty much right it's a tur- turkeyizer that's not that's not a bad idea though right well i think a way if you want to just start it out and you want to mail your family out instead of using sage in your stuffing a little bit of weed or do you use weed oil thc infused Ooh, you can like rub, rub that on there. a bird and then put it in that could be uh, that could be something. I'm sure someone's doing that this year. There's got to be some recipe for it. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna rub my bird with like THC weed and cook it, and it's gonna be like. Or if you put, what if you fry the bird and you put oil, like weed oil, in the fry oil? Depends what it's uh, what its burning point is. Yeah. Or what if you make what if you make weed gravy? Oh, weed gravy is good. Then you can control the dose. Then you can control the dose or weed mashed potatoes. Make the butter. Weed butter in the mashed potatoes. That could be really good, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can have everything dosed except for like what people don't like. The Brussels sprouts are the only thing that's not <laughs> the dosed. Brussels sprouts. <laughs> if you only ate your veggies, you wouldn't have gotten barbecued. That's right. If you, if you don't want to get so fucking mellow or start laughing your ass off with, and you can have different things like, Oh, he's laughing his ass off. I know he ate the green beans because I put the laughing <laughs> shit in the green beans. That would be pretty hysterical to do. Just don't oh, tell God, anybody. Just God's do it. gift went in the green beans. That's <laughs> gift. <laughs> Someone put Bruce Banner in the sweet potato casserole. <laughs> and then, and we're back to feet to strength. <laughs> yeah, feet to strength. 
<laughs> just make sure you have a couple extra pies on hand just in case <laughs> afterwards. That boy's going to lift up a car. I got to see him. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, the football game after dinner would be hilarious. Yeah. So that, that wraps up the old trip in the gondola. Let's go to Ski News. First off, Thanksgiving snow forecast. There is a powder watch in the Sierras, the Cascades, and the Rockies, which could see feet, yes, feet of snow this week. Wow. Yeah. And a shout out to our friends Nick and Liz, who are en route to Wolf Creek right now. Nice. Good luck. Have fun. I know they were checking out the podcast on the way down, so we thank you guys for checking it out. I'll have to get you on and get a report on how things are going down there in Pagosa, how the snow is looking. That'd be great. I think this storm is looking a little further north for the Rockies. They're saying mostly mostly in the, the northern Rockies, so Steamboat, Aspen, Beaver Creek. They're saying the far western side of the divide are the early picks, according to the European model, which is showing as much as 10 to 16 inches at many of the resorts by late Saturday, including the northern San Juans, which includes Telluride. Wow. They are, yeah, they're saying a bunch of areas are getting hit, uh, but the heaviest may be in the Sierras. And they're saying it could be happening around Thursday morning and or uh, into Friday, five to 10 inches above 7,000 feet for storm number one. And then another five to 10 Friday to Saturday. So they're getting a a double wallop. That's pretty wild. Yeah. The only caveat though, is that the model confidence is 50% on amounts being three to five days out. So they're kind of still on that border there. And the amounts are likely to change as they get to the two to three day model. But they're saying it's possible over 9,000 feet to get two feet of snow. So hopefully that all stays on track. Hopefully you're going to be out in Lake Tahoe with your, uh, your awesome rich uncle who invested in Google early or worked for Facebook or something. Cause then you can go enjoy that Sierra cement cascades. They're getting a brush from that first storm. Uh, it's dropping in California and they're getting light snow, which is going to turn heavy by Thursday night and Friday morning. Cold air will bring snow below the pass levels, 12 inches total, likely for crystal Stevens, Alpental and Mount Baker. So it's funny. Nick and Liz are going away from the snow right now. Oh, they're driving away. I think the Southern, I think where they are in the Southern San Juans, I don't know if they're scheduled to get hit as hard. So it's mostly a From snow to non-snow. But you don't know. You never know. You never know. Just got to hope and just do what you got to do and then hope hope, hope it all works out. Yeah, they're saying uh, in the Rockies that Wyoming, Utah, and Colorado are, are most likely to get the good snow. While Montana is a bit of a wild card, uh, but Schweitzer out in Idaho might get the heavier snow. So a lot of spots out west. The Wasatch and Tetons will score deep rewards Thursday to Saturday as well. Possibly two feet in the Tetons. So Jackson Hole is opening on Friday. So it could be a... Oh, actually Saturday they're opening. So they could be off to a wonderful start if this does play out. So 
A lot of big snow coming this way. And I've seen good snows in the area, which is huh, nice to see. Even New England, we just kind of alluded to it while uh, talking about the gondola segment. Killington is hosting the World Cup, Women's World Cup event again this year. And they are, um, that starts, I, I think it's Saturday and Sunday. But this Thursday for Thanksgiving, they're saying it's going to be, it could be the coldest Thanksgiving in the Northeast on record. I mean, they're talking wow. like high of like 20 degrees, which is wonderful because I think we all remember the awful winter of 2015 when it was like 75 for Thanksgiving and like 65 for Christmas. So it was not good. I will take this deep freeze and I will love every second of it. So I think all the folks up in New England, all the resorts are going to love it too. So it's going to be a fun Thanksgiving weekend all over the North American ski areas. You got to bundle yourself up, man, especially when you go to Killington. It's cold up there. It's a beautiful cold though. It is. Frostbite be damned. It goes away. You know, just suck it up, man. Suck it up, buttercup. Take some aspirin. You know, that's all you got to do. You'll be fine. Just go in before your foot falls off. Grab grab beer on the left and just roll with it. Yep. All right. uh, Next up, we have uh, Smartwool sent us a uh, a note uh, announcing that they are partnering with pro free skier Angel Collinson um, to create some pretty awesome uh, high-tech ski socks. And these are designed around... Um, the idea of backcountry uh, touring um, and steep ascents. So the way they're designed with the compression areas and the, the heel and ankle uh, cushioning, they're saying that that's kind of where they're going. And I guess they worked with Angel, um, and they have actually a pretty cool clip of her skiing um, on the website. But, yeah, um, I like Smart Wool socks. Um, I got, like, a few pair of different socks. Like I was in my sock phase where you're like, you're trying to build up like your sock collection to go on trips. Um, and smart. Well, I gotta say, uh, one of my favorites. It's funny what a, a little thing like socks is. And, and you really wonder how much of a difference they make, but when you have like lousy socks, especially for skiing, cause again, it's one of those things. And I think this, we've talked about it in the past, how, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to be new in this sport because the equipment is so finicky and it's, it's tough to get the right fit and the correct gear. If you're just going to do it the first time, because, you know, and socks is one of those things too. I mean, you know, you could be wearing those super crazy thick hiking socks, or you could be wearing just regular gym socks and neither of those are going to give you what you need when you're skiing. You know, like they always say, like get the thinnest sock possible. So, you know, if you're already starting out with the wrong socks on, it's probably going to lead to other things. Your boots not fitting right and then not being happy with that, having your feet hurt. You're not going to enjoy it as much. Well, I thought like the whole sock game was like a bunch of bullshit too. Like, and I have like the old original ski socks, which were just almost like hiking ski socks, the gray ones, you know, really tall gray ones. I still like those, but I like those when my boots start um, getting loose. Like as I ski throughout the week, everything gets compressed out a little bit more. And, and then I'll switch to those like later in the week because they're still comfortable. They're very cushiony. Um, but I tell you what, man, these other socks are just like they have the zone in like on the top of your foot that like is a little bit more elastic, which I thought was bullshit at first. But it's like it really makes your foot feel good. 
Well, that's the thing too, because they do sell the different thickness socks. Yeah. You know, they have the thinner ones, they have the thicker ones. And, you know, they always say, you know, I, you know we did our, our surefoot fitting a couple of years ago. And they, they said too, like you want the thickest or the thinnest sock possible. Right. So why do they even sell those thick socks? It's just because preferences, like people don't have their boots fitting right. I mean, I, I guess just give people variety. Yeah. I mean, what they I charge for like, a pair of socks. I mean, I guess they, they'll, they'll sell you whatever the hell they, you know, they'll make all yeah. different thicknesses as long as you buy something. Right. Right. Cause they're not some... cheap for one pair of socks, like 20, 25, 30 bucks. Oh no, I got this brand from, uh, I think it was backcountry.com. They were, they had a sale and I was like, Oh, I saw these socks and they're European like styled socks. And I'm like, I don't, I never had them before. So I didn't know what to expect. So I just ordered one pair and they had thin all the way to thick and the thick were designed for more comfort and the thin were designed more for like performance. And I was like, huh, very interesting concept. And I remember getting the thick ones and I'll actually, I will wear those like later in the week too, when I'm, my feet are just tired, you know, like I'm doing stuff. But yeah, these Angel Collinson ones are, are pretty cool. They got like a, a nice, like an eagle or a hawk on the back. I think they're angel wings. Are they angel wings? Looks like a bird though. Is it a bird? I don't know. Maybe it is an angel. But they look my, pretty cool. My first thought is that they were angel wings, yeah. Yeah, it has like a little... It's like a, an owl or something. Could be a something bird-related. Bird Gender-specific fit. Yeah. So it's funny how... For women, obviously, but uh, I'm sure they have a, a comparable men's sock. But... Well, like I was saying, so these ones, if you were to buy... I'm not sure. So these are 30 bucks for the women's PhD pro free ski socks, the angel ones. And the men's ones are also, yeah, they're 30 bucks. Right. So that's a lot for a pair of socks. Yeah. But you know, I buy socks and you, you, you hold on to them for a while. I thought it was BS and I'm like, I'm not paying more than 10, $15 for socks. I mean, it goes ludicrous. And then you buy a really good pair of socks. You're like, wow, it does make a difference. Oh yeah. No, I've, Hey, I, I have the kind of, these kind of socks too, like these similar ones and it does make a difference. And you, you really can't wear the cheapo ones after yeah. you've had the ones that fit properly, but it is a lot for a pair of socks. Let's just be honest with ourselves for what it oh, is. Yeah. Well, that's when you look at what you paid for the boots and the skis and everything. You're like, all right, 30 bucks for socks. All right. Just chuck it on there. Yeah, you just don't even want to think about it. Just roll it all in together. Oh, and it's not like I have a million pair of socks. I have like, I think I'm down to like four of my favorite pair of ski socks. Everything else I either worn out or just got rid of. So now if one goes down, I'll go out and get another pair of socks. I'm waiting for one pair to just... Just have a blowout. That's it. Blow out, get lost, whatever. All right, we got another cool product news story here. This is from the good folks at Black Diamond. And we talked about, I think it was, I forget it was last year or the year before that Arcteric came out with a Avalanche airbag backpack that didn't require a CO2 cartridge. And now Black Black Diamond has come out with their version of that. Which is which is really cool. Yeah. It's the new Jet Force Tour 26L airbag pack. And it is powered 
electrically with cutting edge supercapacitors and uses the new Outride E1 airbag system. What's cool about this is, again, you don't need the CO2 cartridge. It uses a micro USB and two AA batteries. The system is compact and simple to use. Single on-off switch with a blinking status indicator lights that can be visibly checked from the outside of the pack while being worn. The pack's mechanical deploy trigger can be switched from shoulder to shoulder for customized preference. And once the pack is deployed, two AA batteries will recharge the capacitors in less than an hour while in the field. Wow, that's awesome. So that is really super cool. So you can actually just fuck around with it too. Unlike those CO2 canister ones where you're like, oh man, I can't deploy this thing. I know. So the Arcteric, I remember they said on one charge, you get a few deployments where this one is now saying the trip, the AA batteries will recharge them in less than an hour, which I'm like, that's actually not bad. So if you do have a scare and you deploy it, you got to wait an hour, but that's not bad. Just carry maybe an extra set of AA batteries and you're good. You know, it'd be kind of cool to compare, you know, a day with each one of these to see in terms of weight, usage, uh, deployments versus time. Yeah. Because, you know, but I mean, what a big difference and having to deal with those CO2 cartridges. I mean, that's, that's really big. It's so cool just seeing the, the, the technology change and evolve to the point where it's so much easier to use them now. Yeah. And that's half the battle too. I mean, think how many people would, if it was just easy to use are more likely to use it and save themselves versus going, eh, the CO2, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to go to a shop and get it loaded. This it's like, you just plug it in and you're good. Yeah. What I like about the backpack too, is it looks like they did their, you know, they, they looked at need and, and preference and it is so nice. They have a dedicated Avi equipment pocket which means like all your Avi crap goes in that one pocket. So it's not all over the place. Like my backpack, um, you know, you put the Avi equipment stuff in there. Now I don't have the, you know, the, um, the airbag, but it's still like, you know, when I'm putting stuff in there, like there's like a sandwich on the shovel and like granola bars, <laughs> like stuffed in between everything it would be nice to have like a big separation in the bag so that you, you just open it up and there's all your avalanche stuff, you know, without this, digging through all the other crap. Yeah. This is a really clean layout too. I mean, this is a really nice pack. Yeah. I, I want to see this up close. That'd be nice to see. If any of the folks at Black Diamond want to help us out, give us either a tour of it or uh, let us try it out or offer to have us look at one in the store. Let us know. Just yeah. It's on podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Or contact at skibumpodcast.com. Or Mario at skibumpodcast.com. Or Brian at skibumpodcast.com. I mean, really, you have so many options. You know, yeah. you can just throw a dart at us and you'll hit us. And then you can say, sorry for throwing the dart. Here's the Jet Force Tour 26L Avalanche airbag pack to make up for it. That's right. And we'll say thank you. We'd love to try it out. Yeah, it's a, it's a really sharp looking pack. And again, it's great seeing the technology evolve and change with this over the last couple of years where it's just so much easier and less complicated to have a pack that you can, that could potentially save your life. I think we're almost at the point now where we can start having edible avalanche gear. Mm. Think about that. Think about if the airbag was made of like fruit roll up or edible, or just (laughs) cannabis edibles. You you, You deploy your pack. 
you go, oh my God, it saved me. I'm here. I'm just like, why bother tucking it all back in again? We can just eat it. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, think about it. You'll sell more packs that way because people are going to start eating their packs. That's true. A pack of packs. Yes. I'm have go sell it at Costco. Get like a three pack of them. Oh, nice. Or have multiple airbags. Multiple airbags. Because you know what would really suck if you did have that? Like you pulled it once and then you had your batteries and it was charging and like 30 minutes and you had to pull it again. And it was like like a half half a half airbag deploy. Like it was like a well then it'd half save your life, right? It would half save your life. <laughs> would it half save your life or save half your life? I don't know. Then maybe you should have two backpacks on you at all times. Definitely have a few more double A's on you. That's that's all we're saying. It's super okay. easy to charge them up. I think that's great though. The technology, it's just going to keep getting better and better. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Next will be the solar powered ones. Yeah. Which wanna, always helps wanna. when the sun is out, but snowy. Yeah. Snow powered. Snow power. Cow Snow powered. Cow power. Fart powered. Fart power. I know a guy that would be perfect for <laughs> one of the yes. most legend people on earth. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to talk about it. All right. So next up, our buddy Matt Pepin from Boston Globe, his uh, newsletter comes out and we get it today. And lo and behold, he does a write-up of the Boston uh, Ski and Snowboard Expo, which we met him at. And, uh, you know, it was kind of cool. He goes through and, and explained the whole show. Uh, so it's definitely a good read. If you haven't um, seen it, uh, you can go and sign up for it at what is the... Well, you can go to Matt's Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash Matt Pep 15, M-A-T-T-P-E-P-1-5. And he has it linked there right on the, under his profile. Yeah, it's also on the bostonglobe.com with the newsletter. Yeah, you can uh, reach out to us. You can, yeah, go, go to those sites, uh, go to his Twitter, and you can sign up for it. But anyway, he does a whole write-up of the uh, expo. And he has his best of, like his best display, best swag, you know, things that um, he says are really cool. And he mentions the bums, Brian and Mario from High Flute and Ski Bums, uh, and Andrea, who is there, Brian's wife. and um, Our CMO like, as well. Our CMO. And uh, he talks to us about how we, you know, he talks about how we uh, hung out, had some long trails. and got We made him miss on. several trains because we were chatting and drinking beers with him. Yeah, he just kept missing his trains, which is great. <laughs> uh, it was it was that much fun. Yeah, so, we had a really good time chatting with him. So, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to yeah. to speak with us that day and for including us in your newsletter. And yeah, we look forward to to getting out there and skiing with you this year at some point. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, if you haven't subscribed to Matt's newsletter, please go to his Twitter handle again: twitter.com slash mattpep15. Sign up there. Or go to the Boston Globe to the sports section, uh, globe, bostonglobe.com. And uh, you should be able to find it in the sports section there where you can sign up. Or there's a newsletter section you said too, right? Yes, I think so. And it's but called yeah. It's All Downhill. And he puts it out weekly in during ski season and monthly in the summertime. There's always tons of good information and then you'll always learn something new. Always get some good tips. And uh, he always had posts a lot of, of really fun, interesting reads. So 
So check hey, it out. Good to talk to him. Mean, he's been on our show a few times. So you check out our older podcast with him on there. Um, and I'm sure we'll have him on again soon. Yeah, probably. We were just discussing the Boston Ski and Snowboard Expo, which kind of rolls nicely into our main topic. While at the uh, Ski and Snowboard Show in Boston, we were lucky enough to have an interview with Cameron Nas, who is the two-time Red Bull Crashed Ice champion. Now, we've talked about Crashed Ice, I think, since this podcast started the last three and a half years yeah, because Mario, yeah, because Mario kind of brought this to me. I mean, he you found this, I think, on Red Bull TV or something a couple of years yeah. before that, and I had so no idea. Out, man. I had no idea this thing existed, and ever since I've learned about it, I've been a huge fan. So it's it's pretty much a cross between you know, it's like a hockey and a ski cross mix, and they create these elaborate scaffolding and courses for these athletes to go down and it's it's super intense it's super fast it's it's really kind of crazy but beautiful and awesome at the same time yeah and we had a, a great chat with cam and he gave us you know we asked him a lot of we had a lot of i think pretty good questions too we we really went into this with some research and uh he was he was a wonderful interview really smart guy very, very friendly guy, guy too. really well-spoken guy yeah uh they've got three events coming up this year the big one which is why they were he was there at the show they're promoting and why if you can see i'm rocking this really sweet red bull crashed ice hat nice. is their yeah. event at fenway park which is coming up in february february 8th and 9th which i think is that the is that the second or third leg of the tour uh, this is the third leg of the tour. So they have uh, December 7th and 8th uh, in Yokohama, Japan. Uh, right. February 2nd in Zivarskaya, or Zivarskla, um That's Finland, right? Finland. And then Boston, uh, February 8th and 9th. And I probably butchered the Finland more than Yokohama. So I apologize ahead of time. All of our Finnish fans, you can email Mario. Yeah. Tell me. Mario at skidonpodcast.com and... Get mad at him for that. That's right. Um, but yeah, so that Boston is going to finish it up and, you know, uh, listen to the interview. He explains the point system and what it means. Um, it's, it's a really, really fun time. So. Yeah. He needs and we'll also have a link to, it's called the ABCs of crash dice and it goes over the history of it, of the sport, how long it's been around. My mind was blown when I found out that this thing has been around since like 2001. Yeah, like I had no idea this existed, and just seeing the way it evolved, it was—it's a really fun watch. It's like 26 minutes, and Cam is in there too. But we'll have a link of that in the show notes. And here is our interview with Cameron Nas, two-time crashed ice downhill champion. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We're here at the Boston Ski and Snowboard Expo with uh, Cam from Red Bull Crashed Ice. So, uh, how, how's everything going? It's good, man. Uh, it's been an interesting few days here. Busy, busy. Uh, the Boston Ski and Snowboard Expo has a lot of vendors, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. Lots of people, and it's apparent there's a lot of interest in Red Bull Crash Dice that's coming to Boston, so it's exciting. Well, this is like the perfect town for it because, you know, you got 
everyone, a lot of people skiing hour, two hours away up in Vermont, mm-hmm. New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Plus you have a, a hockey culture here. Mm-hmm. So the combining of the two into this like crazy, unbelievable, sweet sport that is yeah. crashed ice. And now it's called snow cross or uh, ice cross. Ice cross. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the new name? It's good. Uh, yeah. Ice cross downhill. It just, it, uh, it labels it more as a sport than an event. I mean, Red Bull crash ice is the event, but when you think of an event and then you think about people in the event, if it's, if it's not a sport, we're just kind of the clowns in the circus, I guess, you know, we're just the people that are there racing that are people coming to watch. Kind of legitimizes it a bit more, right? Definitely legitimizes yeah. it a lot. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of legitimizing it, um, well, let's first off start off with your last name. Is it pronounced Nas or Nas? Yeah, Nas. Okay, oh, yeah, sweet. you got it. Like the rapper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but in terms of legitimizing it, do you think that this is something that would actually progress into being like in the Olympics, like ski, ski, uh, ski cross or snowboard mm-hmm. cross? Yeah, that's a perfect example. I say that all the time. I think that that's exactly what we are. You know, it's the exact same sport. It's just on ice. So. Like the only thing holding us back is there's not other disciplines of ice skating outside of hockey and figure skating kind of deal and speed skating. It's just, I feel like snowboarding has a a wider, I guess, reach than our sports. Like of that other type than, you know, just, because everybody thinks of skating as like rink skating, right? Yeah. And I don't get why they don't really bunch us up with figure skating and with with hockey and speed skating it, we're kind of in a world of our own in the ice skating world and it's kind of that it's so unique you know because yeah. like, again just bridge a couple of different disciplines that yeah. it becomes its own thing it does and but i think it could definitely become an olympic sport what we're working on in our sport is legitimizing more and further uh, we need to develop associations across the globe so we now have the atsx which is the all-terrain skate cross association that's the worldwide governing body of ice cross downhill and then we have smaller associations in different nations so in the united states we have the usix which is the u.s ice cross association in finland they have the fisx and and so on. So we're trying to develop more and more of those associations to further legitimize our sport. And then the Olympic committee would hopefully have us in the Olympics one day. That's awesome. So now how did you get into this? How did you get into it? I mean, cause how long, and how long have you been into it? Cause uh, now we were talking about before the interview started, like this has been around since 2001, yeah. this sport. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably just blown up in the last five, six years. Yeah, so it uh, it began in 2001. It was kind of just like a single event type season deal. And uh, then around 2006, 2007, it became a little bit more legit. And they had the large tracks with the scaffolding and in through major cities. They moved off of sketchy hills and sketchy ice tracks off ski hills with, with fish ice, as we were saying. <laughs> I love the uh, like watching the, the replays of when they're in Ontario. Yeah. Uh, when they're in Quebec, mm-hmm. Quebec City looked at, looked like an awesome track. The one yeah. in Michigan looked pretty good. Yeah. St. Paul, uh, Minnesota, St. Paul, yeah. like those were like through the whole city. Right. So it was actually really cool to see that. Yeah. And it looks like now they're getting more to like a stadium style, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting to see. Yeah, uh, those those courses, especially Quebec City, that was I raced there in 2012 for the first time. It, it came back in I think it was 2012, 13, 14. But before that, that's kind of where the sports started to get 
more legit where they had the scaffolding tracks through major cities. It was in Quebec City when it was just a single event every year and that was the only location. And that was just such a crazy draw that I think that's why they started expanding it. And after that, they had an event in Quebec City and then they also had one in Munich for the first ever World Championships. Oh, wow. And the tough part is it was only in two areas. So like Kyle Croxall would have been the first ever world champion because he won that event in Quebec City, but he didn't go to Munich that year, and Martin Niefnecker won that event in Munich, and then he also made it to Quebec City. So, technically... Oh, by points, then. He by had, points, yeah, yeah, because he had two races, and Kyle only had the one, but that was the beginning of the world championships, and after that, it moved to the Netherlands as well, and they ended up having three race seasons, then four race seasons when I got my start in 2012. Yeah. And then we actually had a five race season in 2013 and then back to the four race season. And yeah, now we're yeah, down to three, three race season, but we also have several other Ryder Cup races, which are smaller scale events as well. So the sport is growing, even though we took a step back in the Red Bull crash dice world. Yeah, we, <laughs> we went in a different direction there. Um, yeah, so how, so how did you get started? How did, yeah, how did just, you get started? Was, when did you get started? <laughs> I got started in 2012. The event came to Minnesota, and uh, I was a student at St. Cloud State University at the time, and a friend of mine that I grew up playing hockey with and snowboarding with, um, Nick, he was a student brand manager for Red Bull at the time, and so what he did is they gave them, the student brand managers, um, what they called prospect passes, and each student brand manager got two of those to give out to a person of their choosing, and he called me a couple weeks before the event and said, hey, I, I think that you'd be really good at this. It's going to be a really sweet event, blah, blah, blah. And I was just planning on going and watching the event actually and having some drinks and having fun. But I got work off and I went and competed. I ended up finishing like 24th place or something. Was that and an open invite? Like you just showed up like walk yeah. on kind of thing? Yeah. Well, there was also qualifiers. So there was a flat ice qualifier at like the XL Energy Center and, and around the United States as well, where they brought in, I think it was around 130 athletes that qualified on flat ice. And uh, yeah, when you say flat ice, is that just like a flat out, like straight race ice rink. or like a race around the rink kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. What they did was it was, uh, it was so divide the ice in half and you would skate like up to the blue line you'd cut back you'd go around a couple cones you'd go all the way down the ice you'd kind of make a loop you'd jump over something slide under something jump over something and then do another zigzag it's like hockey drills pretty much exactly exactly so it was just speed on flat ice so it didn't really translate well well now is that timed or against other people right yeah Oh, yeah, so you're, you still got the pushing and people falling into you, that nope, kind of stuff? No, it was just time trial. It was just time. Yeah, okay. so there's just a big line of, imagine like so 100 dudes. How you skate. That's yeah. pretty pretty interesting, yeah. Yeah, but it, it just didn't translate well. So they, over the years, they've transitioned away from that. But luckily, I got a wild card pass because at that point in time, I was out of shape. I wasn't involved in sports anymore, wow. really. You know, I was just going to school. My hockey career was kind of over. I was, I was just playing for fun. And uh, then a friend of mine got me into it. I, I ended up taking his offer and got 24th or so in that event and that was the best American finish um, and wow. what Red Bull did was they took the top four four Americans from that event and they created Team USA and they sent nice. us to the Netherlands for the next event a few weeks later and then we were in Sweden a few weeks after that and, awesome. and we finished our year in Quebec City so that was So this start. wasn't like you had seen this for years and nope. you weren't working towards this this was like <laughs> a buddy had the right connection and you were yep. at the right place at the right time and just had yep. this I guess you were just made to do this yep. it was like your destiny in a way <laughs> I guess yeah. that is you so cool that. yeah <laughs> that's awesome thanks yeah I, 
I had a blast doing it. And so you in 20, that's 2012 when yeah. you just had this, this buddy invite mm-hmm. and then what, three years later you were the world champion. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> three or four years. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a good run too before that. Like, uh, in 2012, like I said, I was out of shape. I didn't yeah, but you go for out of shape, dude. Just like yeah. not even thinking about doing it to be a world champion in three years. As out of shape as you thought. Well, shit, I think I took like 30th place in the world that year. And then I realized quickly, though, that I was out of shape. Like when you get these tracks are only like 30 to 50 seconds long. Yeah. And when I'm getting to the bottom of these tracks, I was just gassed. And like I didn't have the right equipment. I had like old skates. So over that off season, dude, it was <laughs> I didn't even know what I was wearing back then. Then, but my skates were rusty and it, it was a shitty situation. We're actually joking about that, watching like how the how the equipment has evolved. And we're like, mm-hmm. you had some guy with like a garbage can lid as like his front and the back, you <laughs> oh, know, and his like snow like gloves with tape duct tape on, duct tape on everything. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, we we had a little better stuff. Like Red Bull hooked us up with some gear and uh yeah, but over that off season between 2012 and 2013, I knew like this is sick. Like I want to continue doing this. I want to do well at this. So I took the off season seriously, and then I came back in 2013 in Niagara Falls and got on the podium in my first. I got second place in the first race of that season and went on to. I was actually leading the world championship going into Quebec City in 2013, and I got beat. I had a horrible race, but uh, Kyle Croxall ended up winning the world championship, and I took second or third place that year, and in only my second season. So I was like. Yes, I now I know I need to start working hard at this and and like you guys said a few week, a few years later I was I was a world champion so it's sick. It's so awesome, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you so the transition from sitting on the couch to like <laughs> basically it looks like you you dedicate yourself after that which yeah. is awesome to see like you didn't just take it lightly like yeah. oh I did really well um, you know whatever <laughs> you were like I think I could do better, right? Yeah. So making that transition like what was that like did it was it like full life change was it like yeah just kind of gradual like what, what happened there it was a pretty big change you know like I was going to school at the time so what I did was I changed my entire schedule instead of going in the fall and the spring to college I would go in the fall and in the summer and I would take the spring off because uh what Christmas break was at the end of the fall semester so I would just not do anything except for travel the world and during the fall while I was going to school I would just work I'd do my schoolwork and I would work out and I mean I would still have fun and and all that but uh yeah I kind of made it a little life change and yeah dedicated myself to the sport and it's good yeah I mean it was a fun way to better off for it now right yeah right yeah that's awesome uh so how now when you first started training, like how has that evolved over time? I guess you know, you know again, we watched that uh, the ABCs mm-hmm. of Crash Dice on on the Red Bull channel, and it shows just you know, so there's like dry land training. They have those rollerblade kind of wood courses. Like yeah. how has that evolved over time for you? Because it's one of those, it's a unique thing. It's not something like yeah. you could have, not like Wayne Gretzky's dad who built the ice rink in his backyard right? for his son to train yeah. on. You know, you can't just build like a can't really do that a Crash Dice track in your backyard. Yeah, I mean you can. It's it's been done, but <laughs> is it really? Yeah, it's so hard to do. Like you need like engineering and like it's uh, tough. There, a guy weather right to just spray down cold, the track right? and everything. Yeah. And it's already winter then, so like it's what's the point of like you can't train it really. You it's already in your season when you can make that track, so it doesn't right. really do you that much benefit. Yeah, do it in the off season, right? Yeah, you do it in the summertime. But you can't do that in the summertime. Unless you so. go to uh, Antarctica. Or- yeah. I was, I was just talking, I was in Woodward uh, in Pennsylvania last week training and uh, NBC was there and we were chatting about like how has my training evolved and we kind of looked back at some of my Instagram posts and Facebook and stuff and 
back in 2013, I was like running on the treadmill. I was like at an anytime fitness or something like some, right. it was something ridiculous. Kind of fitness, you know. Yeah. I'm not doing any <laughs> hockey specific training. Like I was just lifting a barbell. Yeah. I was running on the treadmill. Cardio like, weights. It, that's it. Yeah, and like I, it just it worked kind of, but it, it wasn't what sport desired. So what I kind of have learned every year is I just take little pieces of what I learned the year before. So I always try something new every year. And if it works, then I keep it and then I'll add something next year. And like, I've just kind of been adding and adding and taking away. And, and now I'm, I'm doing CrossFit. Uh, I work out at a hockey specific training center. I'm mountain biking downhill. I go to skate parks on rollerblades. Um, yeah, I saw that one Instagram post. I guess it was from was it Woodward. Yeah. Where has like the uh, the uh, all the lights in yeah. the oh yeah yeah that was a cool picture yeah yeah thanks man yeah a buddy of mine Kirk uh, he's really getting into like YouTube and photos and all this stuff right now and uh, one of my rollerblade sponsors had sent me these wheels just as a joke like uh, they're light up wheels they have some sort of magnets on the inside and also that's it wasn't like a light you had on you it was actually no, the wheels it was the oh, wheels cool. actually lit up and he just did a, an open exposure photo and yeah. that, that was really pretty cool. sick that turned out awesome right Sweet. and that was just a couple of beers out playing at night like huh. after training yeah, yeah this is sick circle now yeah. did you ever think about taking up like ufc to intimidate the other competitors <laughs> i don't know about like, that he could choke you out you know you gotta watch know. out for him yeah no I, I don't know i'm not much of a fighting guy <laughs> but maybe if they let us fight more in there but <laughs> well there's a lot of so let's talk about that like the physical contact right mm -hmm. now with the rules you're not allowed to like go out of your way to bump somebody but there's yeah. just a lot of incidental contact right yeah that's the word right there incidental contact and that there's a lot of gray area in there but especially the way that the they're making the sport now with the courses uh they're making a lot of 180 degree turns they're making points where it requires us to kind of bunch back up i mean if you just had a straight line down the course you'd see us start in a pack and you'd see us separate but you got those this. hairpin turns and it's, there's no way you're yeah. going to come together. Like everybody's trying yeah. to get that inside. You got to yeah. treat it like motocross, you know, like you see dudes in motocross, they can't just ram each other. I mean, they do kind of, but yeah. you got to get in there. You got to get your body in front of their body so they can't skate through you. And yeah. It's now, are there penalties that they'll assess or disqualify people for yeah. too much contact or mm -hmm. doing? I've been disqualified before once actually. Uh, uh -oh. Is that Finland? No, it was in Munich. Oh, um, I, it was when we had the team race. So there's a team race. You'd race with three guys on a team. And uh, it's, it was kind of like a point system. So like if I finished first, I'd get like seven points. And then if my teammate finished second, he would get five points and so on. And if your team accumulated more points in the race than the other one you won. But it was a hilarious story because it was actually my cousin, Tommy Mertz. He races as well. And he was on a different team than I was. Oh. And I grabbed his jersey in one of the corners. But your I family, that down. should be legal. I know, I know, right? <laughs> but the hilarious thing is my family were my family was with his family at my parents' house watching the race. And I dragged down my cousin. You ruined Christmas, didn't you? I know. <laughs> they, were, they were all arguing. It was hilarious. And the tense Christmas after that. Yeah, I got down to the bottom of the track. And he's like, dude. I'm like, my bad, man. And, and then I trapped. Him. I trashed him in my interview. I'm like, whatever. He shouldn't. Have. I go, he should have been a little more sturdy than that. He fell over like nothing. He took a dive. I know. He's taking a dive. But yeah, there, there's all sorts of stuff like that. You can't grab jerseys. Um, there's been instances where guys kind of get out of control even, and they try to grab another athlete just to catch their balance. Maybe it's not even incidental almost, but you yeah. grab something. But if you do that, there's been disqualifications for that. Um, fighting stuff like that yeah you see some of those uh, those video clips at the end i mean I mean, you guys all probably are relatively is it more buddy buddy or is there a Kinda. lot of 
I mean, because it's, it's a pretty small knit group of you guys, yeah. like the elite guys. Um, well, you all travel together and stay together, right? When you travel, yeah. Uh, especially the North Americans, we're really tight knit. Like us and the Canadians, we hang out a lot. Um, and I, I could never see a, a U.S. guy and a Canadian guy fighting, just because we're all good buddies. But Europe. Some of the Europeans are kind of a different story. If you look at they're a bunch of dicks. Yeah, I mean, like the, they're not. <laughs> you didn't say that. We did. They're not dicks. But they're, they you get a goon in there that just wants to like the enforcer. Yeah, they race a little different sometimes, but there's there's kind of a respect amongst the athletes That's where good. you don't do shit like that, or you know, you, you just kind of. Stay in your own lane, kind of deal, and whoop somebody's ass in the locker room after. You yeah, know. maybe take him outside. Yeah, <laughs> there's been a few after party fights or something. Like, you know, I can like, imagine. Yeah, there's somebody. Happens, man, you, know? you can't hang out with people that much and not butt heads every once. We won't talk about the video. You and your cousin rolling on the on the ground after. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> so one thing I was thinking about because um, you mentioned motocross before, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously hockey. And just one thing I found fascinating was the equipment. Because I guess everyone has sort of their own... At this point, I guess it's so new still. Everyone mm-hmm. kind of has their own style. What works best? Helmets, gloves, you know, gear. Yeah. Have you um, ever thought about making some, like, specific gear just yeah. for for the these mm-hmm. events? As opposed to yeah. using hockey or motocross gear. Yeah, I've thought about it. It's just... Um, is it worth it? Is it? Is everything good enough? Like, I mean... It's I guess, good. Like, But are you talking, like, for... For like create a business out of it, or not even, just for myself, or work with a yeah, sponsor, like, maybe. Well, to you, get I mean, it could be a business if you, if there was something that you felt wasn't right. Like if there yeah. was like like all oh, these shin guards for hockey are great, but if we change the design oh, yeah. and made it more specific, and then because again, the hockey shin guards they're made to, to absorb slap you know shots yeah. bouncing off you. While this, it's more about absorbing the impact of a fall. Yes. So it's not From it's like, not it's not engineered exactly for the cause you guys are using it for. Exactly. And so that's, that's a perfect example because yeah. my shin pads I do alter it's uh so a hockey shin pad it's going to go down to just below your tongue of your skate right Mm -hmm. because you don't want to take pucks there but I don't need that there so I've cut off like two or three inches of the bottom of my shin guard and then you know in a hockey shin guard so there's like the shell and then there's a fabric with some pads in it and then there's like velcro and then it velcros like another pad onto those that shell deal I've taken out that pad and then I've put in G-Form makes a really good lightweight impact absorbing pad. Oh, okay. And so what I did was I took Velcro and I put it onto that G-Form. I cut out the G-Form just how I wanted it and then I stick that in there. So okay. not only does it take that impact, that hard shell outside slides well on the ice as well. And then I have that impact-resistant G-form on the inside to protect my stick too. Yeah, and it protects my upper knee. I mean, Mm -hmm. I cut it out so it's not like they come in a sleeve, but I cut it out of the sleeve and I put it in there. And then my hockey socks are really tight, or my crash ice socks. (laughs) So those hold that pad onto the top of my knee as well, because that's kind of where you take a lot of your impact too. So yeah, you definitely alter your equipment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. be great to see you like work with like one of the companies and say, Hey, can you you know, even if they do custom stuff for you, just mm-hmm. racing, like that would be awesome. Well that's yeah. something down the road. If it does get bigger and does go into Olympic sport, that could be an amazing business opportunity. Right. You know, like Nas brand, you know, know, crash dice gear. Like why wouldn't you guys get a gear a champion is used and engineered? Right. Yeah. You know? I'd love that's to. Yeah, it is sort of a mutation of hockey and motocross at this mm-hmm. point. But yeah. if, as it grows, it'll just probably become its own thing. Yeah, I was chatting with somebody about it yesterday, like, why don't you do it now? Like I'm like, well, because even if I sold one to every athlete on the tour, I'm only going to sell a hundred and then they already have them. They don't need more. Yeah. Like, so I could only sell so many and 
Yeah, but if I guess it depending grows. how big it gets, you know, now exactly. like people practicing or if you just want to do it with your buddies, go mm-hmm. out and play, you know, have a little rink, a few yeah. beers and just go out and yeah. do your own version of Crash Dice. Right? Yeah, sure. we do. We have. Like my buddy Andrew, he made a track in his backyard. Oh, my other buddy Andrew has made a track in his <laughs> backyard. There's several, I mean. It's an Andrew thing. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Those guys are creative. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So then any other like dry land stuff that you do, like uh, rollerblade wise, like do you ever, do you set up any like uh, great courses, like mountain bike courses or? Um, no, uh, I guess the closest thing, I go to like a BMX track in okay. St. Cloud, Minnesota. That's really good. Um, they, they make the track out of dirt, obviously. And then they use this like tacky dirt glue on top. So it's not loose dirt. It's almost like a laminate on top of the dirt. And once they get that on there, like mid season, it gets really firm. And you just use normal rollerblades on there, and same it, like regular wheels, like same size. Regular, yeah. Wow. I mean, if you use bigger wheels, it goes a little faster. But yeah. to simulate the crash dice more, I just use my normal rollerblades, and it's a hell of a workout. You are gassed by the. I only do halves, so like I'll skate really hard for half of it, and then I'll stop, and then I'll do the other half and stop. And it's it's a workout. Your legs are burning at the end of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And then yeah. one thing, going back to the equipment, I saw in that that Red Bull video to use a special blade, right, on mm-hmm. your on your hockey skates. Yeah, I have a blade that not a lot of other guys can get. I know the woman that uh, has the patent for this material, and oh wow. Yeah, it's called a nickel titanium. They call it nitinol, and yeah, it's it's a, a crazy material. It's actually pliable, so you can bend it more than a normal hockey skate yeah. so it reacts to the ice more similarly to a, a ski actually like mm. i mean skis when you're turning they bend and they stay cupped to the to the snow my blades do that as well and if, if you've ever skated and you're stopping quickly you ever feel that like chatter yeah yeah my blades don't do that as much as other blades also they have they have more glide than a normal steel blade oh yeah. wow that's Just pretty cool. A little more superior than. So, the do you other. ever try regular blades and try the different? Like, you notice the difference a lot. <laughs> you kind of. I use a regular blade. It's similar height. Um, it has a different radius because I use it for hockey as well. It's hard as hell to play hockey and in a really flat blade that I use racing. So, I've made one that's in between, like a normal hockey blade and a racing blade. That that way the transition when the season comes isn't as great for me. But uh, yeah, you can feel that chatter a little bit more. You can feel it's a little more firm to the ice, like. It's, it's a little bit different. Very cool. That's yeah. your secret weapon, huh? Yeah, I think myself <laughs> and maybe two other athletes use them. So, yeah, they somehow weaseled their way in. That's great <laughs> you found somebody to make something unique like that. It's, it's yeah. cool like to see that little niche and they got the right? patent for it. So it's, that's yeah. pretty neat to see. It's cool. It, I, I like using them a lot. That's cool. <laughs> right? Yeah. Wow. All right, what else we got? Oh, I wanted to know. Because it's very technical, seems like how fast can you skate? Are you like super fast? Like, did you time? Did you like ever like on like, flat ice? Yeah, it's like flat. Oh like, god, I don't know. Like, <laughs> are you like in speed skater range or like? Because I know you guys yeah. are going and there's there's a lot of you know turns and a lot of other stuff involved with it, but speed has to play into it. You know, yeah. are you kind of faster than other people you notice, or if you took me and all the other Red Bull crash ice athletes and you you had a really wide ice rink and you put us all on the goal line and said on the whistle you're all racing yeah i don't think i would be in the top of all like i'm pretty fast like i'd be close but i guarantee there's at least 15 guys that might beat me i mean wow just flat ice so flat ice how about Mm -hmm. stop and go you think that's more like applicable to what you do like the kind of being able to start up really quick and yeah i mean if you if you timed us on just like 
goal line to blue line. Maybe I'd be a little closer to the top, maybe top five-ish, but there's some fast dudes. Like, uh, we have track and field athletes that are in crash dice. We have decathletes, um, high jumpers. Like, there, there's some very athletic people. Just that, all walks of life, just yeah. getting into it. That's awesome. Yeah. This is almost like MMA. How MMA, like when UFC first started, they didn't know. It was like karate guy versus wrestler. Like yeah. had no idea what was going to turn out. A boxer, a boxer. And you have like a yeah, and it's sort of street how, fighter. Since it's in, the sport is still kind of new, you're mm-hmm. kind of evolving like, oh, well, hockey's the best place to start from. Or maybe yeah. like high jumper's the best place to start from. It's like, yeah. it's all still kind of like, there is no defined path to the best be the best play, uh, you know, athlete yeah there's not it's still growing and evolving yeah. and people are and if if you look at a guy like uh somebody that sticks out to me like killian braun he's a swiss guy um he's not a fast flat ice skater at all like he's not a big hockey player guy but he's a great skier so he's consistently one of the top guys in the season he's in the top 10 top 15 guys every single year but he, he's a horrible flat ice skater, yeah. you know. Wow. Like, sorry, Killian, if you hear this. Uh, but, <laughs> no, it, he's just so talented. And, Cam's calling you out. <laughs> Step fight. your flat ice game up. Yeah, right. <laughs> another fight in the locker room coming. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways that you can be talented in this sport. Yeah, I guess with the course changing, so every time you race for that race, you do the heats, but the, that course is different every time, right? Yeah. So I guess you have to go through a whole strategy and walk through, and how often, do, like, how many times do you get to skate that? before you actually start racing on it um i guess if you define racing by like racing with four dudes we race saturday night before saturday night i'm probably skating down that track 15 maybe 20 times at the most like try to get your strategy down then and everything yeah i mean well like i'll show up on a wednesday i'll walk the whole track with my buddies and you kind of bounce off each other you're like oh what do you what do you think you're going to do here? What are you going to do there? You have to scout it out like a race course. Like yes. a, if you're driving like a rally car driver, you kind exactly. of scout it out, take your notes. and Yeah. And and like you do that kind of with your trusted confidants, like yeah, your yeah. boys. And uh, well, yeah. I guess you got to figure out too who you're racing against in the heat. Yeah. Because that'll drive like you kind of start knowing other people's tactics too, right? Oh, yeah. Like, and, and I've raced all these guys enough where I know where they're going to be good. I know where they're not going to be good. I know where I'm fast and I know where I'm slow. So if I got myself into a shitty situation, I could look ahead of me. I know, okay, that's that's so-and-so up there. They're going to be slow as hell in this corner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go inside on them there because I'm fast there. And then I'm going to burn them to the finish line. Like you need to have, and that comes with experience as well. But yeah, so you're always thinking about that stuff. Um, on Thursdays, we get to go on the track for the first time and you get uh, you get two, what do they call them? exploration runs so you just go down the, the track in full gear with like a dozen guys and you go slow you just like skate on the features you kind of check it out on the ice firsthand then you get like two or three runs right after that full runs down the track which you're going slow you're just still feeling it out and then friday morning you get two practice runs and then you go straight into time trials two time trial runs and then that ranks you amongst all the athletes you find oh, out your, your so uh, the time trial puts you in the heats Exactly. So uh, the top ranked athlete races against the number 32, 33, and 64, and so on. Like, oh, great. Okay. Yeah. It's so like the NCA bracket. bracket. Yeah. They just kind of exactly on rankings. Yeah. Yeah. And then top two move on and all the way through the night on Saturday. That's so cool. Yeah. So now, how have you, um, you know, I guess we've talked about how it's changed so much over time and it's evolved and growing. What has you excited about the direction? that uh that's going i'm really stoked about uh it being in fenway park i think uh one of the things we've been lacking is the spectator experience like it it's an 
awe kind of event. Like it's a spectacle and people like that and they like that it's like a party and it's, it's a cool thing to go see. But when people are there, you can only watch it on the Jumbotron and you can see like a quick snippet. Yeah, wherever they're on the track, right? Yeah. But here with the stadium seating, everybody's going to be able to see the whole race. They're going to have concessions. They're going to be able to warm up if they want. There's bathrooms for people. Like, yeah. it's no longer going to be like a festival. It's going to be a sporting event. And, yeah. and also, that's too, what like this the means. older ones, I mean, when you look at the course, I mean, it was long. I yeah. mean, it'd be able to cross a couple of city blocks, right? It's a few thousand feet. Well, this one is it's very contained within the mm-hmm. stadium, right? Like, I guess yeah. they're using the bases as sort of the uh, yeah. or the finish line is going to be home plate. Yeah. I guess something with the bases, or I guess the, it yeah, must be yeah. more spiral. Yeah, you're right? going to. Go off. Make your way in, and then you kind of do like a little turn on third base. Make your way to second, or no, on first base. Make your way to second, third home. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's gonna be more contained then, right? Like, so it's gonna be a different kind of style, like a different style of track, right? Than yeah. some of the. the I mean, long it's still long, going from the outfield all the way to the infield. It's yeah. pretty far, and you're also traveling laterally too. So you'll, you're gonna come down. You're gonna go straight. You're gonna take a right. You're gonna kind of loop your way around. You're gonna make your way under the track, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna go back towards uh, home plate, and then you're gonna make your way around those bases. So it's more like switchbacks then, right? Then yeah. like the other kind of courses. Yeah, because right? they're loving those U-turns these days. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like that's where all the excitement happens, right? I don't right? like yeah. them. I hate them. They got the big heavy bag there at the. Uh, oh God, I don't yeah. think they're gonna have one of the last year. They had tires there. So yeah, they had right. To go around. Yeah. New Sponsors, right? Yeah, Bridgestone is sponsoring up there. So up the prize money, Bridgestone. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Did they did they like ask you guys like any in, like input when they set up the course for Fenway, or was it all kind mm-hmm. of no? no? That's all uh, uh, like hang It's just and, rude. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> they they asked me one year to like design a track. They were like, okay, what would you do if you wanted to design? <laughs> and I came up with all sorts of ideas. Like, this would be sick. That and they used like one little feature out of my like three or four tracks I designed. Like yeah. I went crazy with it, but yeah. It was ahead of its time. Yeah. They weren't ready for it. Maybe one day. I'll Maybe get one to day, it. right? Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Let's talk about fans. So it started a following, it's grown. You got a lot of fans. I know you got a lot of followers on Instagram. Like, what's it been like? Like, where do you at? What point are you at now? And like, I know it's probably going to get hopefully bigger and better. Yeah. Uh, but what's like your fan relationship yeah. like right now? Uh, for example, like, I've been at this expo for two days now, two full days. This is my third day. And I've had two people recognize me. So oh. I'm just standing there all day. There's my photo like all over the damn place. <laughs> and I'm handing out all these cards that say like, come to Fenway. And it's literally just a big picture of me and my gear. And I like hand it to him and nobody knows who it is. Like, That's you'd think they'd be like, sweet. Fault, well, Red Bull really hasn't been great calling you at Red Bull about like promoting the individual athletes. You yeah. Know? They promote yeah. the sport. Yeah. You know, which again, people have to know about the sport first. Yeah. They really, I mean, they really should focus on, you know, the guys who are in the top. That'd the top. be nice. Maybe yeah. need red hair or something like that. Yeah, like people like, oh, the other dude with the red hair. That's that, like, sort of beef. You gotta, you gotta oh, knock someone yeah. out, you know, oh God, get in the news. Yeah. And like, like a push thing. You put that yeah. on Instagram. Some you know? Conor McGregor stuff, you know, oh, like calling people out, you know. I'm from Minnesota. I'm a pretty humble, chill guy. If you want to talk some shit now, we'll put that out there. Who you want to call out? I'm good. Who do you want to call out? I don't want <laughs> no, but yeah, it's just one of those things. I guess they got to get the, the sport yeah. promoted first, get people to know yeah. about it. People are excited about it, though. I mean, lo- like you said. People like, love it. Because, again, that's yeah. how we, we found out about it on Red Bull TV. And we're like, this is such an awesome sport. Like, right? we just fell in love with it because it's yeah. so, it's fascinating. It's it fast-paced. It's, in- it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's only a few of them, so everyone matters. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a lot of well, fun. People we've told about it were amazed at, like, like, I didn't know this was out there. Yeah. Like, they just didn't know it. And I'm like, yeah, you got to look at it. It's, it's awesome. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, once they're exposed to it, like you said, mm-hmm. It's going to just mushroom into, like, something yeah. really big. 
people in Minnesota have been pretty bummed that it's leaving there. I mean, it's been there for seven years now and I'm getting messages on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like, it's not coming back. Are you kidding me? Blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of worried about it, you know, because like Minnesota, winter, hockey, and like people love it there. And I didn't think maybe here in Boston, like it would be received as well, but like you said, like with the, all the skiing so close, it's a big hockey community here. It's a here. huge like, winter sports town. Yeah. yeah I didn't really realize is. that until I just came out like a month ago and we announced the event. Like people are going crazy for it. And this, it's it, it well received. Could, it could be one of those like tipping point moments too. Like if yeah. it goes well, like, I mean, this, this could really get into like a lot of people's, you know, yeah. in, in their like realm and understand like, oh, this is a real sport. Cool. And then maybe yeah. next year, four or five, six events, you know, it's, yeah. it's, this seems like it's going to be a real positive thing for the, for the whole sport. I agree. Yeah. For and sure. next is the Olympics. I'm, I'm saying yeah. There you go. You're hearing it right here. <laughs> 2032. Oh God. I'm going to be like 40 then. <laughs> senior don't, circuit. Don't 40. It's a good, good age. <laughs> Say, senior. We need a senior crash dice circuit. Oh God. Yeah. I'm ready yes. to jump in. If I could jump in the crash, senior circuit, I'm crash hips. Crash hips. <laughs> oh God. Crash vertebrae and something like that. Well, there's, there's this thing in crash dice. If you, uh, so if you come in first, second, or third place in the world in any given season, you get, if you're first place, you get three of them. If you're in second place, you get two. And if you are in third place, you get one. And it's a straight up wild card entry into any event of your choosing. So in really? the future, let's say, like I joke about it with Scott Croxall all the time. Like we're going to be fat and old one day and be like, dude, good thing we saved these things. And <laughs> like, we'll just show up at a crash ice event at like 50 years old or something and <laughs> oh, try to rip it awesome. down. Right? It's like 3XL, like breezers, you know? <laughs> <Just> drinking <laughs> a beer in the locker room yeah. or something. That'd be like, yeah, like you're drinking a beer, you put it down and then you go win it. Like, yeah, that's right. I did it. I'm 50. See, don't worry about it. That's right. see, I thought when you said you got a free event pass that you could go into a different Red Bull event and just oh, no. automatically be like in it. That like, would be sick, though, yeah. right? Like the fluke tog, you're like, oh, I can fly this plane, no problem. Fluke I've done fluke tog. Oh, you have? I have done. Fl- I've done fluke tog. I've done the soapbox deal that they do. Uh, oh, really? Um, yeah, it's fun. They they send us out there to do like Red Bull Crash Dice promotion. So yeah. our right. float or whatever, our plane like revolves around Crash Dice. Yeah. But no, it's sick. Like it those looks like so much fun. Yeah. I want to do yeah. the real events though. Like. Send me out to Rampage. Let me ride a bike. Like, obviously not from the top of the mountain, but. <laughs> oh, like the mountain bike. The one I do at Whistler? The, yeah. Uh, the mountain bike? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Joyride? God, that is, yeah. that is sick. Yeah. I ride bike like that. We have a great bike park. I use it as training, mm-hmm. but those jumps are crazy. Those guys are wild. But I, I told somebody the other week. So like, your free we ticket, that. your free pass. You can you get entry into that. Into the, into the ride. That's yeah. you just be like, you look, guys, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Free death wish. <laughs> yeah, right? Go die at Joyride. Yeah. Hey, man, I want it. I want it. <laughs> so yeah, I guess you know, wrap this up soon. But I got I got one question. So if you, cause I got a, a little guy at home, fourteen months. Again, way too way too young to be starting crash dice. You could put skates on him though. Yeah, what would you recommend if, if you know, I guess exposing the sport, like if you had a little dude or someday you do, um, what would you, how would you get them into the sport? Would you start them with hockey, skiing, both, and just... Yeah, I think all of the above. That's yeah. what I grew up doing. Uh, kind of. My parents say, like, I was never inside as a kid. Like, I was I was out building jumps and for my bike Not in the front yard. Or, no, <laughs> I don't think I ever had any of that stuff. Like, I didn't have a MySpace account. Like, yeah. I, I told my friend Nobody that the now. other day. Well, <laughs> Back then, it was like all the Actually, rage, you know? Do <laughs> but yeah, I I like would say just do everything. I mean, have fun. I, I wakeboard, snowboard, bike, rollerblades, hockey, baseball. I did every single sport you could think of and yeah. find the ones that you love. Maybe pick a handful of them and the ones you're good at, obviously, and 
yeah, I guess work your way into it. We're, we do the Ryder Cups events as well. And after our Ryder Cup in Minnesota last year on this, so we had the event on a Saturday, we had men and women racing and juniors. And on the Sunday, we had a kids cross event where our athletes would like bring kids down the course and you would be amazed at how good these kids were really like uh, Dan Whitty one of our USA athletes he has three kids and one of his youngest boys is like eight years old or something and he was going down the entire course that we had just raced on the night before Wow. With no help, like it, it was amazing. Well, so. they don't have the fear at that age, you no. know. So that's why you got to expose them young. Yeah. So they don't like if you if you show again, you show someone who's like thirty years old oh. the crash dice, They're like, yeah. no. oh my god, I'm gonna break my hip. I'm gonna hurt my knee. I'm gonna hurt my ankle. <laughs> right. But it's as a little kid, they're like, whoa, awesome. Like yeah, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So that that's a great way, and I hope that we continue to to grow in that sense, and we can get more kids involved, and it can become more of a youth sport. But yeah. We'll see what the future holds, and that's the goal, though. Yeah, no, it's it's an awesome sport. It's uh, someday skate cross biathlon. That's what I'm thinking. With oh. the gun? Yeah. Well, we oh, were joking. What? <laughs> you got the biathlon. You got to you got to you know, yeah. cross country ski, and you got to you know shoot the targets. Stop and shoot yeah. the targets. Maybe Lower they can have your heart that rate. sort of crashed ice with the gun on there. You know, oh god. Like launch and get steady yourself and take or out with, some targets. Like jumping, skate jumping. Oh god. Anything. Listen. Considering what Red Bull has done in the last 20 years, anything is possible. I don't know if I would trust half of our crash dice athletes with guns, though. So <laughs> they're a little wild. <laughs> nice. nice. All right. So uh, well, I want to thank you, Cameron, for yeah. taking the time to, to speak with us. Do you have uh, anything you want to say or you want to give people links to uh, all your social media or website? Yeah, I'm just at uh, Cameron Nas on all my social media. And, uh, yeah, tr- come out to Boston. February 8th and 9th and should be a good and enjoy time. the event yeah it's gonna yeah. be sick uh, tickets are redbull.com slash crash dice and enjoy alright all right. All right, awesome good. well Cameron thanks, thank man. you again so much and yeah. Uh, yeah best of luck in the season <laughs> yeah, thanks guys luck, man. <laughs> appreciate it all right. we hope you enjoyed the interview if you want a link to Cameron's Instagram and Twitter and the ABC's of crash dice check out the website the show notes will be there skibumpodcast.com you can check out Cameron on his Instagram page, Instagram.com slash Cameron Nas, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-N-A-A-S-Z. And same on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Cameron Nas, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-N-A-A-S-Z. Under the ropes. quick fun stories for you guys this week first off spacex gives more details on how their starlink internet service will work nice not sure if you guys have been paying attention to this at all but elon musk has been talking about how he wants to create a constellation of satellites to create this starlink internet and he's been talking about it for a while now Uh, But what it's going to be is 12,000 low-cost satellites providing a terabit internet service. And they're saying the first batch of these are scheduled to launch in June of 2019 with the full constellation being deployed by the mid-2020s. Isn't it amazing to think about the internet, you know, less than 20 years ago with like that shitty dial-up service you had to get, had to be connected to your... Yeah, your dumb modem and your big oh, shitty monitor. So slow, man. And your Think big how much dumb time. computer. The check yeah. email would be like a half hour of like, oh yeah, I read your email. It took me like an hour to get through my email. Yeah, because it took you like 
15, 20 minutes to get online and then to pull up your email was like five or 10 minutes to load. It was crazy. But it was like a whole thing. You had to be like, I am going to go over to my computer. I'm going to turn on my computer. I'm going to log into my computer. I'm going to log into AOL or whatever you were using and type in your password and go to sit and and check your email. Like it was a whole process. And just wait and wait and wait. And that one idiot would send you like these stupid joke attachments. All the and forwards. it would take forever, forever load. It was Bill Gates is giving away all his money. All I got to do is uh, forward this email out to 37 of your friends. Think about spending five minutes waiting for some shit to load and it's just some stupid ad. You're like, really? Really? This is what, what you had to send me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you would basically say, hey, I'm going to be on the internet. I'll see you guys like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So that was like what internet, that's what email used to be like. And yeah. now it's just, and our internet would be, you know, that, that's how, what you had to go through to go online. And now Elon Musk is going to make satellites with internet access in space. Yeah. Terabit internet service. That's freaking incredible. So he's saying, what was it? 12,000 satellites were going to be necessary to create this constellation. Now, I had no idea this existed, but there's apparently an online index of objects launched into outer space, Osoitics, which is currently maintained by the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs, ONUSA. And there are currently 4,857 satellites in orbit of Earth as of November 9th, 2018. So Elon is going to be throwing up four times or three times more than are currently even out in space to make his, uh, his internet Starlink. And you know what? We're still gonna be pissed off that things are too slow. Even after we get this. Dude, that's just gonna be more dick pics that I get. Yeah. That I don't want to see more you stuff. Already, I don't want to see. You already get a lot of dick pics. I know. I don't know why they sent them to me. Yeah. And it says, According to Musk's plan, Starlink will send messages via a series of ground stations that will transmit information through radio waves to the satellites above. These satellites would then relay the messages using lasers. It reaches the one above the recipient's destination where the data would then be beamed down to the correct station using radio waves again. Hmm. I wonder if they're going to encrypt any of this stuff. Where does the encryption take place? On I, I, I guess when the message or the data is initially sent out, or would it happen on the satellite level? Well, I heard a whole TED talk on the guy was talking about trying to everybody should be using PGP to write emails because they're basically in clear text when they go across all these servers. Hmm. Somebody not necessarily knowing what they're getting. If you're monitoring a server, you can get a little bit of anything that's going across that server and just read emails randomly. Luckily, my emails are so benign, it really won't matter. I know, I know. But you know, somebody out there is probably just hanging out like, hey, let's see what's what's going through the internet today, you know? Yeah, right. So. This will be really cool. So this is coming up in the next couple of years, so... Yeah, Elon, game changer. He's such a busy dude. Like, I always think I'm busy. Could you imagine being Elon Musk busy? Mm. Well, that, that Elon Musk book like just has a little blurb about his his weekly schedule. And it's like, spends time with his family, then he flies out, he goes to like SpaceX, and he flies here, flies there. It's like, it's crazy. It's like, he would literally, without an airplane, would be like less, you know, like he needs an airplane to 
to be all those places. He's got his private jet. jet that he kind of flies him back and forth. Yeah. Crazy. From uh, Northern California to Southern California. Yeah. He doesn't have it just for, Hey, I'm a big wig and I got a lot of money. I can have a, a jet. Like it's, it's utilitarian almost for him. Yeah. But yeah, this is gonna be a game changer though. When, if you get a terabit internet service, it's gonna be a whole streaming like renaissance again. Yeah. It's going to be cool to see how this, what happens with this and if he can pull it off and if yeah. it happens in that time frame, because you know, with most yeah. things Musk related, especially yeah. Tesla, things tend to get a little bit delayed. So I'll say, uh, you know, 2020 and he means the 2020s, you know? Yeah. So right. 2020. So give himself a little bit of cushioning there. Yeah. Last up, we have a, a story that kind of, kind of came across that kind of pissed me off a little bit, <laughs> uh, for many reasons. Uh, it got me all wound up earlier. Um, so if anybody hasn't, doesn't know, uh, I grabbed uh, a story off uh, Huffington Post, but like every big news agency was carrying it. So Bill Maher uh, was trashing fans that were mourning Stan Lee um, and adults who read comics. So if anybody doesn't know, Stan Lee, he created the Hulk, he created Spider-Man. Uh, he was the comic book like genius of Marvel. Um, and... I think he did, you know, fantastic for like, like all these like comic books that turned into movies that they're just making movie after movie after the comic books that this guy created. Um, he passed and Bill Maher decided to come out and write his stupid, ridiculous, idiotic blog and saying that uh, he basically trashed fans by saying, um, you know, he inspired millions to what do what watch a movie. Um, and you know, he, you know, he badmouthed basically comic books by saying they're not sophisticated literature. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, he's just a dick. He's a, he's a bitter dick. Um, and like, he's a hypocrite, you know? So he's, he was in one of the, he was in Marvel's Iron Man three, uh, but they cut him out of the scene. So he didn't have a problem doing that. You know, he started his career on fucking comedy central, his, his political career on Comedy Central, where he, he looks at himself as like a, I don't know, some political genius or something like that, but he's just a fucking comedian. So, I don't know. You tell me. It's pretty funny how he, yeah, was in Iron Man 3, but his scenes were deleted. I mean, that really, that really just makes this whole story smell of sour grapes. Yep. It's really what it is. He had some sort of like vendetta or you know grudge against stanley and you know and, and you know being such a being such a the man that bill maher is he decides to uh to be a tough guy after this 96 year old man dies right way to go bill wait way to eulogize a uh somebody that's had a huge uh impact on on literature society whatever and you know you might not think it's it's uh anything to to be proud about but it takes a lot more talent to write a story and create comics and do the artwork than it does to talk trash about somebody else. You dumbass. So. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, a fuck face. it's super <laughs> childish of him to do that, but yeah. you know, I'm sure his, his ratings in his show were down, so he needs to do something to pump them up. So yeah. that that's what he's always thrived on is being kind of a, you know, outspoken blowhard you guy. Think Bill Marski's. If he does, I'm sure he skis in jeans. I think he might um, might be a uh, 
How could these keys? He must be a uh, guy that says, oh, I don't like the cold. I don't know. I prefer to go down to the Caribbean, okay? I just don't know why you'd come out and say that upon somebody dying. It's just not done. You, if you have sour grapes, hold your freaking tongue and say it at, a, at another time. But come out right away and do it. You're obviously seeking attention. You're in a little bit of an attention whore. Yep. So, That's how it is. coming to you, and it seems like there's a lot of backlash coming, and you should get that backlash because you deserve it. Yeah. But enough said. I don't want to talk about that idiot anymore. <laughs> well, rest in peace, Stanley. That's yes. He's well, inspired. Stanley. He's inspired way more people than Bill Maher ever has or ever will. And for the good, not just to be bitter assholes. He's inspired people to dream and do things. You know. That's right. Dream of their better selves. Dream about not being a douche like Bill Maher. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're starting beef with Bill Maher too. Maybe we'll it'll boost beat. our numbers too. If he shows up to Thanksgiving, it's going to be a fucking festivist miracle. Yeah. <laughs> Feats of strength. There's going to be some wrestling. There's going to be some crazy shit going down. <laughs> might break into the wine a little bit harder. It might be some fighting going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening. I know this has been quite the back-to-back that we had with our uh, that epic three-hour podcast from last week with our pal Rich. From all about Apre, and now this one with our interview with Cameron from Red Bull Crash Dice. But you know what? We wanted to make sure we gave you guys plenty of content so that if you're going on a long drive or a long flight, maybe you get stuck somewhere at the airport or you're in traffic, we want to make sure you have plenty to listen to, give you guys some laughs, to give you guys some things to think about and look forward to and aspire to and question and challenge and, you know, all those things that we're here to to help you guys get through whatever you're going through right now. But we do really, really, really want to thank you all so much for listening. It it does mean a lot. And again, it means a lot when you guys comment on any of our stuff, any of our posts, like our posts, you know, it's just knowing that we're, that someone else is out there listening to this and that, you know, we're, uh, we're in your lives somehow. It, it really is an awesome feeling. And just seeing these little comments from people saying, thank you. And, you know, I love the show and love what you're doing. It really does. It, it's the fuel that we need to keep doing this sometimes. Cause you know, we all have our bad days and times where you're like, Oh God, why do we do this? And why do we put so much effort into this? We could just blow it off and skip it and do something else. Watch some Stan Lee movies, watch a couple Marvel movies instead. But you know, we keep pushing it because we love doing it and we love hearing that you guys love it and it's just a big old love fest and we want to make sure we're putting out fun good content for you guys to check out I know I am going well once you guys hear this it'll be the past I will have gone to the Warren Miller film Face of Winter I'm seeing it Tuesday the 20th this is probably coming out the 21st so I will probably already be tweeting about it posting Instagram stories about how much I loved it and how I cried when they showed Warren 